Hey, welcome to Scratching the Surface. I'm Jared Fuller, and this is a podcast about why we're designers. On this week's episode, I am joined by the designer and educator Mary Bannis. Mary's independent creative practice called Yes Is More spans research, teaching, and design. She also collaborates with Brianne Trammell and is on the faculty at the California College of Arts. In this conversation, Mary and I talk about her childhood interest in both art and wanting to be a teacher, and then the sort of roundabout journey that eventually brought her back to teaching design as she does today. We also talk about the value of an expanded practice and moving between disciplines and how to structure critique in the classroom so that it's helpful for every student. I've been a fan of Mary's and the the way she thinks for years now and just had so much fun in this conversation. I hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. If you're a fan of the podcast and want to help support it, you can become a member for $5 a month or $50 a year. Members get an exclusive monthly newsletter that features behind the scenes content, links and articles from former guests about design and writing and criticism, as well as previews of the upcoming episodes. Scratching the Surface is fully supported through these memberships. So if you like the show and want to help with its ongoing production and want to see it continue to live in the world, I hope that you consider joining and uh, becoming a part of the membership program. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy this conversation with Mary Bannis. I don't have, I should run the numbers on this. I don't have data on this exactly, but I think the majority of the people that I talk to on the podcast come from some other background or area of study before coming into graphic design. It seems like most people uh, in their undergrad have studied something else. Uh, and I'm always, when I talk to those people, I'm always jealous a little bit because I studied graphic design in undergrad and then went to grad school and studied graphic design. And I kind of wonder if I missed out on some other area of study. And you are like <laughs> me in that you studied graphic design uh, both in undergrad and in and in graduate school. And yeah. so I kind of want to start talking about that. Um, when you were headed into undergrad, uh, how did you get interested in graphic design or what was your kind of knowledge of graphic design at that time? Yeah, so that was 1999. And um, I had grown up with computers, like we had an Apple IIe and we had an LC3. Oh, but nice. I didn't actually know what graphic design was called until I was looking at colleges. And I went on like a college tour. And I was looking at the art department. And they had this table of stuff. And it was like, t-shirts with words on them and I was like I was like wait a minute this is a major like I I want to do this major so I think I had always been good at art and um like like Michael Beirut would say and um I also um was always interested in like language and communication so Mm -hmm. I wasn't I I didn't have the desire to study art and become an artist when I was in high school I think I wanted to do something more practical. Like Mm -hmm. I'm a practical person. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how I ended up. I I, I found design to be like the perfect mix because it was like, you know, visual and it's, it's, it is composition, it's balance, it's layout. It's like all these elements of, of art that I had studied, but um, it's communication, which is power. I I have two questions just, just to kind of go a little bit deeper on on that story. Um, When you saw that table at that college visit with those shirts that had words on them, what was it? What was it about that, that you were like, Oh, this, this is kind of all the stuff that I've already been interested in. You know, what were you able to articulate that in that moment? I don't think so. I think I was more, I was just like, what is this? And (laughs) um, (laughs) yeah, I, like, I, oh, I could do this as a major. I think I was at the point where I was kind of wondering, you know, when you're like a junior in high school, everyone asks you, they're like, what are you mm-hmm. going to study in college? Like, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go to school? What do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And I was really interested in being a teacher and I was really interested mm-hmm. in art. And everyone said, well, why don't you be an art teacher? <laughs> Yeah. And it got to the point where I had I had come up with this little story. I was like, just because you like tomatoes and you like soup doesn't mean you like tomato soup. 
because people didn't understand that, like, just because you like those two things, I, I, I didn't want to be an art teacher, but look at me now, like, <laughs> um, uh, uh, little like yeah. little Mary didn't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I want to come back to teaching. Obviously, that's a big part of what I want to talk to you about. But the reason I asked that question is because I think, you know, hearing you say that, it, it reminds me of myself. And I was a kid who was very into art stuff as a kid, but also liked reading and words and that sort of thing. And I remember when I realized when I heard the term graphic design and when I saw what graphic design was, it was this kind of like, Oh, all of this stuff that I've been doing actually is a thing and people get paid for this. And this is a job. And it was like this kind of big revelation. I was kind of curious if seeing those shirts, mm-hmm. you know, it was that kind of immediate thing, but it was, it was just like, Oh, what is this? Oh yeah. Well, what year was that for you? Uh, two, th- that was probably like 2003, 2004. Yeah. Well, that's like when I graduated from college. So I feel like design, I also think, you know, people were like study graphic design in high school now, or if I I didn't do yearbook, but had I done yearbook, I would have been studying design or if I had done like the school paper or something. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I didn't do any of that stuff in high school. You know, it was just, it was just like right outside the world that I knew. And so it was this kind of very interesting life shifting moment when I, when right. I discovered it. Um, so, but when you, so you, you see these shirts and you, you then join this program and you're in these classes, what was that like? Were you kind of into it? Yeah. I lo- oh yeah. I loved it. Um, I was really into it. I found, um, a community of people inside. I was at the university of Connecticut, which is a really big school. And I found this community of people in the School of Art and in the design program that became really good friends of mine. And because the school is a liberal arts um, liberal arts school, it's uh, you study everything, and um, so you take sculpture, painting, photography, drawing, as well as the classes that are specific to your major of graphic design, which when I was a student there, I actually have a BFA in communication design. That's what it was called, right. but it's the same thing. And um, I was really grateful still am today for like the, like the fact that I took painting and, right. and printmaking because, oh, and, and sculpture, like everything, just because design is you end up dabbling in everything. Like in your, if your career is, um, yeah. ends up being broad enough, like you're, you're like, Oh, those dimensional things I was doing are actually, yeah. it's helpful. I have the confidence. I had the confidence when I was a young designer to do things that were less familiar to me just because I had played in so many different medias. I don't mean to jump around your, your background a bit, but that's what you just said is something that I was really interested in talking talking to you about in that your design practice today is something that is across not just across different types of design mediums but also across different um you know kind of different areas of work whether it is more traditional graphic design or something that's more research-based or writing-based and then teaching Mm -hmm. and I was I'm interested in that kind of expansion of practice and so you do you think that kind of came from that early undergrad education of having to do all of that stuff? Hmm. That's a good question. Maybe it's just like being in like omnivore or being yeah. like, uh, it's, I'm like an all, I'm at an all you can eat buffet for design, like all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure. It's, it's something I actually struggle with myself because I feel like when I look at my peers they all have a really specific thing that they do and it's really focused and that's what they Mm. talk about all the time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And my um, interests have always been more of like the spectrum or like, yeah, this range where it's like some of the work you're like, if you're really a traditionalist, you'll say, you'll be like, well, how is that design or something? Because it's maybe reading more as it's conceptual or it's reading more as art. Um, Like using design, design's always the medium though. Right. In my in my work for sure. What you said about looking at your peers and feeling like they have a specific thing and, and you know, maybe a sense of jealousy or, or ease. Does that um why does that bother you? You know, or why, you know, I don't see you as somebody who would even want kind of a one specific thing. 
Mm, I guess because in academia, you have to be able to mm. talk about what it is that you're doing <laughs> in, <laughs> in a way that is sort of packaged so that, you know, you can communicate what it is that you would offer like an institution. The question that I'm, I guess I'm trying to ask is, how do working across those different fields, working across those different mediums, kind of those different tracks, how how do they filter back into each other? Um, mm. So how does the research work, does that then have an influence on, you know, more commercial or client work? Or how does the client work play a part in the teaching that you do? How, do those have, do you see connections between those things? Definitely. And I think it's, um, it's actually more of the, when you think about the word practice, and mm -hmm. it's like the thing that you're doing over and over, or you're doing every day. I think mm -hmm. that the the research, engaging with research in a way where I'm being vulnerable or I'm taking risks really helps me have uh, more empathy for my students and be able to help them mm -hmm. through their process in a, in a way that maybe I wouldn't be able to do if I was, if I was practicing professionally only. That's a different, right. I think that's different. And that also, I can also bring that into the classroom. And then being in the classroom with the students and um, that's such that's just like such a gift because yeah. <laughs> they they're showing me like their incredible vulnerability and also their strength and like that's something that I can that sort of like feeds anything I do outside right. of outside of the classroom. You know what yeah. that's like. It's something some special magic. So I think it's about like. Um, it's more, it's for me, it's always like, it's a, like a little bit of, like designs, a little athletic. It's a little bit like working out or something. Mm, and so mm. if I'm working out on the research side, mm -hmm. it, it'll be a lighter lift in the professional work. If I'm working out in the professional work, I can, I love that. yeah, I can more quickly make something on the research side. Cause I'm like, you know, for example, maybe I've just, you know how sometimes it doesn't matter how old you are, but you'll pick up a new skill in Photoshop or InDesign or something, a new like quick way <laughs> yeah. of doing something. That, that's actually a really nice analogy. I, I feel like we should backtrack a little bit because we were kind of talking about your, your undergrad experience and then we jumped right into your work mm -hmm. today. So did you after, and I, I want to kind of like go back in time and connect it back to this conversation. So after undergrad, um, did you work as a designer immediately after that? I did, yeah. I got a BFA in communication design from the University of Connecticut. And I had also studied abroad um, in London for a semester. And then I was living in Connecticut um, back in my like childhood bedroom in my parents' house. And I, the first job I got was actually an internship at the Hartford Current, which is, um, mm. I think it's the... It's one of the oldest independent newspapers, but um, okay. this was before InDesign was the thing that they used to lay the paper out, and it was laid out in this other PC program, which for me was like kind of gnarly. Like I didn't like it because it it wasn't as flexible. But one thing I got to do at the paper that was cool was well, two things: one, sitting in on the editorial meetings, I really enjoyed that. And then the other thing was um, they would let me do like illustrations for like spot illustrations or section header illustrations. Mm. So like mm -hmm. one of the inserts in the paper was called Cal and it's like a calendar. It was cut shorter and it was like a, it's a calendar of like events happening, you know, in in Hartford or in the in this in the tri, like, I don't know, Tri-City area or something. And um, I would do like the design for what that was going to look like, but it would be, I would make right. an, something by hand out of like, I would make artwork and then we would, you know, scan it in or something. So there was mm -hmm. once there was a section, a gardening section, and I did a bunch of cut paper. The point being, they gave me some latitude, I think because the actual design part of that job was really limited by the software. So it actually, it wasn't that interesting for a, for an intern or for like a younger person to do. But I really, I really appreciated that, and I liked working at the paper because of the limitation and the and the schedule. Like the publishing schedules are exciting, you know. You have 
the limitation of time. And so you, you only have so much time to like put something together and make it happen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. after that, I worked at um, Yale Alumni Magazine uh, as assist- oh. assistant art director. And that magazine was designed by Pentagram. So it's really mm-hmm. good. It had really good bones. And for an alumni magazine, it's very well done. It's like a reads as kind of like a general interest magazine. And I learned a ton about photography from the different photographers that we had, freelance photographers. And I learned a ton about layout and in design and also about printing because I went on all the press checks. And that was a great opportunity for me. I, um, I was given a lot of agency there as well. I, I, I had a seat at the table. A good idea. A good idea can come from anywhere. Is something that right. Catherine Lassila, the editor of the magazine, would say. So, when did you? I, I have two questions. When did you decide to go back to school, and mm. why did you want to go back to school? Yeah. Well, I actually had like a. I ended up having like a panic attack mm. <laughs> because <laughs> I knew I wanted to do something else. So I was at the magazine mm. for like three years and I was, it's a very small staff and the art director there is Mark Zarolo. He's, it's, he's still the art director there and he's, he's my mentor too. He was my teacher at the University of Connecticut. He was my colleague when I taught at the University of Connecticut and he's just been like, he's my mentor. So Knowing though that you're at a place where there isn't, there wasn't like another, there isn't another place to go. It's the kind of assistant art director Mm -hmm. is a position where like you're going to do it and like you could do it for a long time, but if you want to grow or expand, it's, it's not necessarily like a a forever job type of thing, Mm -hmm. which honestly, Mm -hmm. what design job is a forever job, except for your own, (laughs) your own company. Um, So yeah, I was kind of like, ah. There's, there wasn't like a place in Connecticut that I wanted to work. I didn't want to move to New York. It was like at the time felt too intense for me. And um, I knew I wanted to learn more about design and grow as a designer. And I didn't know how or what, you know, I didn't know how I could do that. Um, yeah. did, did, you know, did you know what you wanted to learn, like, you know, it's interesting to hear you say, you know, I wanted to learn more about design. What what was that more? Or was it just that you felt like you were missing something and you didn't know what that was? I wanted to be better. And I wanted to, I think I, maybe not in these words, but I wanted to develop my own point of view. And like, I wanted to develop what would be my own practice, but mm-hmm. I didn't know, I didn't necessarily know it's kind of like just I was just looking for more like graphic confidence, I think. And so, so you then go to RISD and and you get your MFA at RISD, and th- this is kind of why I was asking you those previous questions about what happened after undergrad and then why you wanted to go back to school is because I feel like as somebody who this is the first time we've ever spoken as, aside from emails and and some tweets <laughs> to each other, um, <laughs> but as somebody who has kind of watched your work for a couple years, I feel like so much of the things that you are doing and working on and thinking about could all, a lot of it can be traced back to RISD and, and the RISD curriculum and the RISD faculty. And I'm, I'm kind of curious about that experience and how that perhaps, you know, helps set up, uh, this teaching career that you're on or, or this kind of research and, and writing that you do and kind of all of these different things that we were talking about. Um, I feel like RISD was the place where a lot of that really started to come to life. Hmm, I guess so. But wouldn't that be like true for a lot of people who go to grad school? Uh, I mean, I did, I TA'd every semester that I was there. I was definitely interested in becoming a student of teaching. Um hmm. I was actually Lucy's TA, which was really fun. Oh, nice! Uh, at, for one semester, but I had a lot of I had a lot of I got to TA for a lot of different people when I was there, and um, yeah. I don't mean to say that you know you your work looks like RISD work or that it's like has a certain yeah no 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 thing, but just from what I know of RISD from the faculty that I've talked to there and from what I know of you, it seems like. Um, I, I see connections there that I was uh-huh. kind of curious about. I what I want to know what those. I want you to tell me what you see. 
very simply, I think this idea that we're talking about of kind of working across a lot of different disciplines and kind of approaching design from a lot of different ways is a is a very RISD thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that RISD seems like a place where experimentation and pushing the boundaries and playing with the containers is encouraged. And I see that in your work. I see that in the the writing that I've read of yours. And, and I imagine that as a teacher, y- you kind of think about that also. And then this, the kind of subcategory there is this kind of visual research that you're doing. To me, always, when I see work like that, that seems like a very RISD. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> a RISD thing. That's cool. Um, yeah. I mean, I definitely learned so much there in a very short amount of time. And there's definitely still things I think about from some of the classes that I had. Um, Mm. And there were works that I was shown there just like in, you know, that we, we studied that I've, I still think about like the solo wit autobiography book, which I did a project about Um, Rob Gianpietro showed it to us in um, our seminar class. And I, I mean, it's just like, I could, I mean, I suppose I could have seen that book somewhere else, but that's where I saw it. And it, um, it had a big influence on me because I wasn't really looking necessarily super critically at everything. I was pretty critical though, just like as I, I think I'm a critical person, like the way that I perceive the world. And I like to, I like to analyze things and wonder why they're the way that they are. Um, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it was a very dense experience there. And I think that the, not, uh, sort of having a, um, style or like a formal, um, look and not being too tied to, um, professional graphic design are both really strong parts of that program. Because um, I think that it's if you're going to go to grad school, it's important to do that kind of deep sort of research and discovery for yourself and also to be asking really critical questions about what design actually is. Um, like, why are we doing it? <laughs> yeah. So you TA'd while you were at RISA. You TA'd all, every semester. When did you start teaching or thinking that teaching could be a another avenue of this practice that you were building? Yeah. Um, I taught actually there. My first class I taught at RISD, it was a winter session class. So they have that spot in between spring and uh, in between fall and spring, they have winter session, which is a longer, um, it's actually, sorry, a short semester um, um, session. And um, with Jen McGathan, we taught a class. It was sort of like graphic design. It was like an introduction to graphic design class for um, majors and not like for people who didn't, um, for freshmen, I guess. So people who weren't yet decided what their major was going to be. And it went well, but, you know, looking back, you're just like, oh, wow. (laughs) We gave them assignments that were so sophisticated. Um, the funny thing about teaching at RISD is the students can handle a lot of stuff and so um, it kind of spoils you as an educator, actually, I will say. But that's what happened. And then my sec- the second time I ever taught was at the University of Bridgeport. And that was, um, that was also a freshman or introduction, introductory class. Um, it was called Intro to Computer Applications, but I really shaped the syllabus around. So it was sort of like how to use the programs, like InDesign and Illustrator. But I, I did it okay. through projects, like in my syllabus. So I sort of like made different projects that they could be conceptual mm-hmm. about or, you know, bring an idea yeah. into and then learn how to use the programs. But um, that was kind of tough because it was in the evening and it was a computer class and um, technology overwhelms at the time technology was overwhelming to the students. I actually think that the students now are so like native to technology that they've, you don't even have to show them Photoshop. Like they know more about Photoshop than like you or I will ever know. 
Yeah. I don't, I do not even try to teach software. No, anymore I mean, I, I don't think it's anyone's dream. Um, maybe it is actually, <laughs> I don't know, but it's not no. my dream. I've never, I've never yeah. been, um, I've never sought it out. It's sort of like at the beginning of your career, you'll, you'll teach whatever is given to you. Yeah. I just, I don't even, I will put some, uh, like YouTube or Linda tutorials in the syllabus of, you know, basic stuff or stuff that might be helpful for the class. And it's like, if, if you want to learn this, or if you don't know this, or you want to get better, you can look here, but we're not going to spend time in class doing tech demos. That doesn't seem like an efficient use of our time. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I want to go back to something that you said at the at the beginning that as a kid, you were interested in art and you also kind of thought maybe you wanted to be a teacher and everyone was telling you, Oh, you could be an art teacher. (laughs) And now you are, you now are kind of an art teacher. Um, What was that like? Like when you kind of realized that you liked teaching and that this, this was a part of your career. I mean, I always, I always liked teaching and I always wanted to be a teacher. It was that I, I, um, I didn't want to be my, my idea of an art teacher was like elementary school or like K through eight or something. Yeah. And actually yeah. in high school, I did a project in high school, like an independent, I took an independent study and it was sort of like you develop your own project. And my project was teaching um, like third graders, how to draw no sixth, sixth graders, how to draw, which you can imagine was really difficult. Like drawing from mm-hmm. life. They came in and they mm-hmm. wanted to make like, they wanted to make like comics and and I was like here um, here's a still life of chairs um (laughs) so it was really hard uh but um it was really fun so I think sometimes you don't know what you're like walking toward and everyone else can see it I mean so you teach you teach basically all all levels undergrad and graduate students right what what is that? I I do also, um, and I find it so fascinating. Especially this semester, I'm teaching sophomore typography mm. in the morning, and then I go uh, over to another school and I teach uh, graduate thesis. So it's like the two farthest. It, it's like students' first design class that they ever mm-hmm. take, and then graduate thesis students, where you know it's it's I'm playing a completely different role. I find that really interesting. I'm curious kind of how you um how you think about your your teaching and the the role of uh the role that you play in the classroom. How do you kind of see your job as a teacher depending on the level and does that change? I like teaching on the different levels. I do, I think that they, they it's the best of both worlds. Like they play off each other. They have different strengths. Like I think I also maybe would get like it's more it keeps me more engaged because there's a complexity to uh mm-hmm. you know flipping between although usually i usually exactly. just do i don't do them in the same semester i usually do grad in the fall and undergrad in the spring and i my undergrad at cca is oh, um graphic design two so it's sophomores it's the sophomore studio and then um okay. in the fall is years is that year zero studio which is gr- the studio graphic design for the three-year people that are on the three-year track it's their first year but this fall Mm -hmm. I'm also teaching a class a grad elective which is called um open publication studio forming ideas and that's half MFA Mm -hmm. writing students and half art students so within yeah it's a really a really cool class um (laughs) within the writing students there's like a poet there's um someone who writes short stories a novelist an essayist and then within on the um, art side, we have graphic design, we have um, printmaking and performance art, um, photography and video, sculpture, um, and two more graphic designers. So it's a very beautiful group of people, <laughs> diverse and rich. And so yeah. really interesting discussions, really wonderful collaborations can happen where like different people have such strong, um, skills. Oh, there's a visual and critical studies student too. So it's just, it's really nice because, um, everyone has their thesis. So everyone has this one thing that they're very, um, deeply, they've been thinking about writing about making work about for the last like one, one and a half years or one, let me think two, they're Mm -hmm. in the second year. 
if it's if they're in a two year program, they're in their second year. So at least for a full year, they've been thinking and writing and making about it. But um, it's really nice to be in to have that shared space where some people are like, oh, I'm I want to learn a little bit more about design, and some of the designers mm-hmm. are like, I have no idea how I want to write about this thing, and watching the students just be able to help each other really easily is pretty rewarding. And then the other thing about the classes, all they, all the publications get made on the Rezo. So we can use the okay. limitations of the Rezo as a way to keep the, just to keep it constrained in a, in a way that is like still fun. And, you know, you have all those fun colors and like, it's very forgiving for, for anybody, you know, d- designers or mm-hmm. with designers, it's like, they like to push the edge of like how, how aligned can they make it and how, you know, how many colors can they play with? And then the artists, maybe yeah. they're, they, they can play with the roughness or like vice versa, but it's a nice, the limitations of the machine itself are a nice constraint, I think. So the, the, the classes, they're making a publication. What is this kind of structure of the class or what is the, uh, the publication is just a, a piece of writing that they write and design about their thesis. So it's, it should serve their thesis. It doesn't necessarily need to be about their thesis. Um, and so the okay. structure of the class that I'm providing is um, really, it's just prompts. Like I'm trying to give them prompts and frameworks so that they can, since they're grad students and they're thesis students, they can bring to that framework what they need to, to serve their thesis. So um, the first uh prompt was question like introduce your thesis through a book of questions and I did I gave them Mm. like a size you know just because it's easier for the first some of these people it's the first time they're ever making a book so I gave them like a a page size and you know a lot of details about how like like I showed them zines and I showed them simple books and things and then the second one is like um it's called an essay but um that just means that whatever they make has to have a strong and clear point of view. And mm. uh, paired with the essay is a bumper sticker, which is also, I love the bumper sticker as a container for <laughs> design because you have to actually distill something down into a very small space, but right. usually it's a very um, strong and loud message. And uh, I appreciate that about, like I appreciate what the bumper sticker can give us as a gift <laughs> If you're really trying to, dis- if you think about your thesis and you're trying to distill an idea yeah. into a bumper sticker, it's like, okay. Um, there's an exercise that people do sometimes where they're like, okay, write the time, like what's the Time Magazine cover? This is something from like ab- my advertising days, but what's the Time Magazine cover like after your product is really successful? Like what do people write about it? And that's a way to think about what do you want to, how do you want to advertise your product? Have you heard that yeah, before? That's I've not heard that, but I'm thinking about my thesis students now, and I feel like the bumper sticker is such. I think I'm going to steal. You can that. steal it. I'll give you. I have a tool actually. Um, we okay. yeah, we could talk about it. Yeah, that that it's an interesting idea. I mean, because the the issue that I find with with thesis students is especially about right now in the semester where they're kind of midway through uh, their sec midway through the first semester of their second year is that they. Uh, it's really easy to lose the thread of the thesis right about now. And it gets bigger and bigger of what they want to talk about. And the themes start to, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, you know, start to uh, like splinter out into a bunch of other things. And so it's, how do you then condense this back down to what the thesis is actually about? And that's a great way to really narrow things down quickly, or at least start to think about, well, what is the one main idea here i love that yeah it could be every week they make it they make a new one or something because there is a a, an evolution to it for sure how does how does um teaching generally but also you know working with with grad students on thesis topics that eventually they will know more about it than you you know than you will and and kind of you know you're learning from them just as much how does teaching and working with these students does this change or has it changed how you think about graphic design or what graphic design is or can be? Oh, I think definitely. Yeah. I think my ideas about what graphic design is or can be have changed a lot just in the, since I graduated from undergrad, I would say. And I think yeah. some of that's the world and, you know, how fast and fluid the media, like media is around us. 
Um, it's, I think, the rise of capitalism and the what capitalism is doing to the planet is changing my ideas about design um, and what design is and what it's for. And I don't know, working, having worked in advertising also, um, I think we're really lucky in to be in academia where you can actually ask critical questions of design itself, because if we're not right. doing it in academia, then where are we doing it? You know? Um, so yeah, it definitely has changed. I think if anything, I feel that the most, I think the most important thing to do now is, well, the most important thing for any time is I want to bring more of a criticality. I want everyone to have more of a criticality, like when they walk into a room, every person, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that um, something that design does really well is they can, design can sugarcoat a message that might not be, design mm -hmm. can make mm -hmm. something look really easy uh, that isn't, mm -hmm. or it can make something look good that's actually evil. And I think uh, if I can teach or bring anything to my students, it's for them to have that. The rigor I want them to have is a, is about criticality, like have a criticality, like always asking why or asking questions about what they're doing or who is it going to affect or like, I don't know why, like what, what can we use our power for? How should we be using our power yeah. as designers? Um, yeah. Because what the hope is that they'll then be the people that are in a workplace who right. are just ha they have the confidence and they have the wherewithal and like they they have like the they feel that they have a foundation they can stand on to ask those questions in the world. Yeah, because I think it's hard. I think there's a lack of uh, tough dialogue in the United States uh, overall. We don't like to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Like we're Disney, you know. We don't. <laughs> how how do you do that how do you do that in the classroom do you have do you have methods or or uh, uh approaches to encourage that criticality and encourage that um being okay with uncomfortableness yeah actually so there's i mentioned the tool which so i did this workshop mm -hmm. at otis i think it was last september and the tool is something that Brianne and I made, my collaborator, Brianne Trammell. It's a oversized, you know, the flyers on the street, like, you know, do you want to learn guitar? And it's an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper with little tabs at the bottom with like the phone number. Yep. Yep. So we made one of those that's 1117 and it just has three very long, large tabs. And at the top, it says the stuff we're not talking about that we should be talking about. And um, so people fill out the tabs mm -hmm. at the bottom. And then, and that kicked off this workshop at Otis where students brought all this incredible content into the room in a very short amount of time because the stuff that we're not talking about that we should be talking about is ultimately something that's very important to you, but that you feel for some reason that you're not allowed to say or that you don't think people are saying. So it opens up the kind of difficult dialogues thing. And um, from mm -hmm. there, they spent the day actually making they spent the day making bumper stickers. And then at the end of the day, they translated, they, they were working individually, making a bunch of bumper stickers, generating a bunch of messages. And then at the end of the day, they worked in small groups to translate, take the, um, take a bumper sticker message, but put it into a new container so they could, you know, do a billboard or mm -hmm. make a song or, you know, make some sort of interactive box or make tattoos. Like they came up with a bunch of different stuff. The other thing is to just ha have the converse start the conversation yourself and to be really honest when you're when you don't know something or when you're um you feel like to check in with people if you're if something weird is happening I don't know uh, something that I've been thinking a lot about this semester is um critique methods mm -hmm. and modes of critique and how to how to structure the classroom critique in a way that uh is more helpful to the students is a way that can kind of encourage more criticality and less um uh performance or less of not wanting to hurt people's feelings and so i've been experimenting with a lot of different things and i saw that you've written about critique you had this great kind of summary on on medium about 
kind of the role of critique and different critique methods. And I'm I'm interested if you you know kind of talking about these uh, encouraging criticality and talking about the things that we don't want to talk about. Does that how does that manifest itself in a critique setting, or does it, or how do you encourage that when talking about each other's work? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's something that I'm definitely still learning about all the time. Um, I do not profess to be awesome at it. But um, one of the things I've learned over time is just how important it is to ask the designer questions and help them get um, deeper into what it is that they're actually trying to say or do. Um, I find that the the kind of feedback that's like you could you could you could you could try this you could try this you could try this isn't really that helpful um for the designer especially at the grad student level they really um Mm -hmm. i think they just need help usually figuring out how to it's almost like they need help with the introspection or like digging into their own you know why 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 kind of thing so yeah a lot of the lesson there a lot of the times is like remove your ego from the situation, mm-hmm. which is, you know, every day it's like you have to remove your ego um, from a lot of situations, but, and it's not easy to do that, but um, to ask a question with no ego tied to it is a really pure and good question <laughs> that you could ask. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a very generous mm-hmm. way to ask a question. Um, when you're asking a question, um, that is about how smart it, it, and like to say how smart you are. Everyone's been in the room with a critic or themselves who's, who asks the question or makes a comment just to like, and it's like, Oh, you just, you yeah. sound real smart, you know, good for you. Does it help right. the student? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, usually. Right. So that's one thing. Yeah. And then they definitely learn a lot from each other. So uh, shutting up is something I try to do. Uh, not, I'm yeah, not very good yeah. at it. Um, and then I think, you know, the thing you said about not wanting to hurt people's feelings, it's not so much that as it is like being an empathetic human and like reading someone's, like being able to read a person and tell that they maybe are at the end of their ability to like absorb everything in this one moment right now. And so you, I think a good educator gives the students as much as they can handle, like in that moment, you know, not trying to push people over the edge so that they're actually like so exhausted or like so defeated because, (laughs) or they are exhausted, right? Because they're sleep deprived and then they can't, they actually can't handle that. They can't handle that kind of feedback right now. So it's like, "Mm, that's okay. You don't have to give it to them right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm even thinking about it. Just, uh, you, you know, you, you have a group of students, you know, nine or ten students, and yourself, and uh, the, these topics are very intense uh, topics that students have kind of poured themselves mm-hmm. into. But then, the other nine students all have different life experiences and different understandings of that topic and the way the student describes their topic uh, is interpreted different ways. And so then, you know, structuring or somehow letting a productive conversation happen that helps the student um, can be really hard Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, because you're not even talking about the work. Uh, Sometimes you're talking about the ideas behind the work. Uh, And so I think, I think all that to say, I think you're, you're right. I think question like uh asking questions and and just that kind of humility is key but it's something i've been thinking about a lot and i was kind of curious how you how you think about it so i think that's that's yeah it's definitely something i strive to be better at like every every time um it's funny because you know as as teachers though you just i just get excited about stuff so right. and then yeah. i start talking <laughs> but I know when you said when you said like trying to just shut up more. I was like, yeah, I have that problem. Yeah, too. and I, I, I mean, I, yeah, it's. I think it comes with the territory. If you weren't excited about yeah. design, then you wouldn't be here, you know, in this position to begin with. So, right, right, 
right yeah exactly what uh what are you thinking about right now or what are the issues or topics that you're excited about and kind of working on or working through in your yeah own? well and this weekend i'm going to cranbrook for a um talk oh, nice. and um uh workshop and brianne will be there as well so right now i'm thinking a lot about uh what we're going to talk about there. And um, we are, they asked us to, instead of presenting work to present ideas. And so our take on that right now is just about uh, the way Brianne and I collaborate and where do our ideas come from and like how much of our work is responding to things in the environment or responding to like some of our work is responding directly to like a collection, like the, um, at the university of Connecticut, we had a residency and we responded to the, um, some of the work, some of the ephemera in the alternative press collection, which are like buttons and stickers and patches and newspapers and things from like the sixties to the eighties. And, um, what it's shaping up to be is a sort of like digital scrapbook of all these little snippets that you realize are important in a, in the moment because they have affected you or they touch you or they make you laugh or they make you really upset. And you start collecting those either, you know, in your mind or in a dock or on your desktop. And um, from there uh, we form responses essentially like, and, they come into the, a graphic form or an art form or like a paper and ink and type form <laughs> or image, mm-hmm. ink and image and paper form. You know, Brianne's a, she's a printmaker, but she has a real strong design sensibility in her work. And she uses a lot of, um, I mean, a lot of printmaking actually is that way too, where it's just, it has a strong relationship to design because they're, you're using paper and you're using these formats that are um related the technology is related like so so yeah i'm thinking about Mm -hmm. that and uh i've been thinking about like something i struggle with a lot is just like what's the best way to contribute how can i best how can i best contribute like in um as a designer because i live in san francisco and i have to make money um, to live here, but who could I be giving my skills and time to that? It would really be like helping something, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't, I don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, that's at the end of the day, like helping someone like I've worked, I worked at honor before, which is a health, um, care company for, it's like an elder care company where it's, um, an app that helps, small businesses who provide in-home senior care. It basically helps them organize the back end of the business and um, facilitates the actual visits. Like with the technology, you can sort of like uh, understand, oh, this, you know, this person has a dog and make sure that they drink uh, water when they take their medicine and uh, they need to go for a walk every day, like sort of like keeps a record of those type of things communication record basically but so at the end of the day felt good to contribute to something that's essentially helping older folks who need assistance like have a have the assistance that they need <laughs> like that feels really good you know but right. right there's just something weird about designers where we always feel like i think there's a lot of design or designers that feel like they want to change something or make the world better or even there's a lot of like people in tech who are say they say they want to change the world and it's like maybe you shouldn't you know but also yeah uh i feel the i think there's just a great responsibility that comes with being a designer and uh i don't always feel like i'm making work or contributing to something that's actually good at the end of the day I do feel good about, I feel good about teaching and I feel good about the work I make with Brianne because it's uh, at least talking about ideas that are harder to talk about. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like, you know, don't you think teaching is also a way that you're helping And like, you know, like you said earlier that, you know, by encouraging that criticality, you see these students as people in the future who will be in these jobs that can 
I do. You know, do something or say something. I, I mean, that at least like as you were talking about that, I was I was feeling like that's how I've thought about my work for a long time. I was like, what is the point of all this? Why does this matter? And as soon as I started teaching, I felt like I was like, oh, this is actually how I can contribute and mm-hmm. <laughs> help people. Yeah, no, I think I mean teaching is a very precious thing, uh, and it's very like I feel that it's like holy work. I'm not religious, but it's like. <laughs> It's, it's yeah. you, what educators give students is like, oh, here's some, like, here, let me help you um, to the, you know, to the next stepping stone with design, or here, let me teach you like a few things about design. What students give educators is like themselves, <laughs> like students like yeah. show you yeah. like who they are, like that's uh, beyond like a precious gift and experience that we get to have every week. That's like you know, I'm aware. Um, but I also have a little bit of, uh, con, a conflicted feelings about, uh, higher education and how expensive art school is. And are we just training people to get jobs, uh, that contribute to capitalism? Like if you're going to a school like a CCA or RISD or MICA, uh, if you don't come from extreme privilege, what are you going to do? You're going to get a job uh, at a big company. And that's, I mean, that's what design is. I don't know. This has gotten sad and dark. <laughs> I know. I was, I was so excited. I was like, oh, this is going to be the perfect way to end this. And we're going to end on this like really nice, beautiful <laughs> message about about teaching and helping people. And then it just turned. And now I feel like. I, just cut the, <laughs> can you cut the last part off then? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I think that's such a nice, lovely way uh, to to wrap up this conversation. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed this. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm I've been a fan for a while, so it's really nice to be on the inside the pod. Oh, I hope it. I hope it was worth. I hope it was. Worth yeah, it. definitely. This episode was recorded on October 2nd, 2019. Our theme music is by Andy Borgasani. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Surface Podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and at scratchingthesurface.fm. Thanks for listening.